Good morning, my brothers and sisters. I want us to um, consider what I titled the context of our revival mandate. The context of our revival mandate. We've been hearing the emphasis of the Spirit of God in this season with respect to revival. Revival being spoken of by God's servants, revival being declared that we are coming to a season of the final outpouring of the Spirit and there shall be revival in the church, revival in the land. And when you hear the word revival, we need to, it can mean so many things to us, but we need to uh, this season, I believe the Spirit of God is leading us to understand the context of our revival mandate. And so when the word revival comes, it brings this understanding to you by the Holy Spirit, because it is indeed the Spirit of God that led me to His school to begin to grasp or begin to give um, um, uh, lessons or principles of what this revival is all about. So we're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, and Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13. Hebrews 10, 12 and 13. Father, we ask, O God, that you breathe on your word this morning. We call forth, O God, your grace upon our lives. We activate, O God, in our prayer this morning, O God, the power of the Holy Spirit in us to give us understanding in your word that in the end of God, Jehovah, this word will find expression in us to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hebrews 10 verses 12 and 13. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 1.13 Hebrews 1.13 But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? I believe that by the sacrifice of Jesus, he defeated all satanic power. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 to 17, the Bible says that having wiped out the hands writing, I mean the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival of a new moon of Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. 
the man's sacrifice or Christ, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus simply tells us that he defeated satanic powers. I'm going somewhere. Now, he, what he, he needs is to only wait for the time of their complete submission and punishment. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Christ is waiting. The word waiting from the text I read this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, 12 and 13, until his enemies have made his footstool. We're trying to understand the context of our revival. I'm going somewhere. The word waiting in verse 13 of Hebrews 10, he said, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his, his footstool. The Ellicott's commentary for English readers um, says that he does not minister and offer his sacrifice again. This is a man in verse 12, but this man, after he had, he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the Father, doing what? Waiting, waiting till his enemies have made his footstool. So Jesus does not minister and offer his sacrifice again, but waits for the promised subjection of his foes. One before in this context, if you look at Hebrews 9 verse 28, it says that so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, but to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin, a second time not for sin this time around, not the second appearing of Christ is not for sin offering, but for salvation. For salvation. The Bible says, Blessed is he who endures to the end, for he shall be saved. So once before in this context of Hebrews 9 verse 8, 28, our thought has been thus directed to future consummation. That we are the ones waiting for him to appear. That's where our thought has been directed. There it consists in the second coming of Christ for the salvation of them that wait for him. Not for sin offering anymore. Because the sin offering has been done. It can be done twice. It's not a repeated process. Here it is he himself. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, this context of, of, uh, that we are trying to uh, um, um, uh, bring to our, our, our understanding, if you look at it here, it says, but until verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Meaning, in this context, Jesus is the one waiting. Jesus is the one waiting. It is he himself who is waiting and the end is the attainment of supreme dominion. It is Jesus that is waiting. Now, what does the word waiting mean? It is not a passive waiting. It's not just sitting passively. I'm waiting. I'm waiting till my enemies have, put, have made my footstool. It means reaching out in eagerness to receive. This is where the faith of the Son of God comes in. This is where the faith of the Son of God comes in. There is a faith of the Son of God, the faith of Christ, and that's the faith that we possess. That faith did not just come from us, that oh, we've been created to just believe whatever we hear. No, we've been created and we've been imparted with a grace called the faith of the Son of God. So look at Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting Reaching out in eagerness to receive. 
reaching out in eagerness to receive, waiting actively, not passively. Because God wants his enemies to submit to his purposes and his will. And Jesus is waiting. He wants his enemies to be submissive, to submit totally to his purposes and his will. Jesus waiting eagerly. Not us in this context. I'm sure you, you're following me in the scriptures that we read. Now the footstool, if you look at the word footstool, he said, uh, uh, um, uh, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Derived from feet. The feet signifies the execution of divine will. Execution of divine will. It signifies execution of divine will. So what does that mean in this context? Until Jesus is waiting, until his purpose begins to manifest. Until the purposes of God begins to manifest. That is what is waiting. He has offered the sacrifice. He's not coming back to die the second time. He's not coming back to offer another sacrifice of sin. But he has offered and made a public spectacle of the enemy by dying on the cross, by nailing everything on the cross, nailing our sin, nailing the curse. But he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting, eagerly waiting to receive, eagerly waiting to reach out, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Until there is a full execution of his divine will. Until his purposes begin to manifest. That's what it means. Now, two dimensions where God's purpose must manifest. We need to understand this. One, one is internal. That the purposes of God must manifest internally. There's an internal dimension of that. Which means ourself must be submitted to him totally. Which means, if you talk about internal, we must start internalizing the word. We must start internalizing this dominion. You cannot be talking about dominion in the world when there is still self manifesting in you. The internal dimension of God's purpose uh, 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 that has to be manifested on the face of the earth is us. We must die to self. We must die to greed. We must die to elements of corruption. These are found in man. That's the internal dimension where God's purpose must manifest. Dying to self. God must rule completely in us. There has to be a full dominion of the Father, full dominion of Christ on the inside of us, where we are dead completely. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That's internalizing it now. Internalizing it. That's the a scripture that qualifies what I'm just saying now. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. That sacrifice has been made. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. What are you living for? Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh is no longer me, but is by the faith of the Son of God. It's by the eagerness to reach out. It's by the faith of the Son of connected to him, sitting at the right hand of God, waiting until his enemies are made. So it's by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God expresses the purposes of God in us. Is your life by the faith of the Son of God, or you are still living by your own ideas, living by your own self, you know, um, 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 will, living by your own greed, or living by your own corruption? The second dimension is external, which signifies, who talks about systems of the earth, the educational system, the economic system, the cultural system. Science talks about philosophies, 
talks about concepts of life. These are external dimensions that Christ or the purposes of God must be made manifest. I must be subjected to Christ. That must come in obedience to Christ. All of these things. Now let's look at the wider context of the scripture we just read for a better understanding. Let's go to Psalm 110. A very powerful Psalm. Psalm 110. Psalm 110. 